Hi, I'm Linda OJ. And I'm Erin Espindola. Welcome to the newest episode of the Next Gen Business Podcast. Let's go. The Next Gen Business Podcast is produced by the Small Business Community Network. Visit them online at www.sbcncanada.org. because you've moved into your new place with your friends haven't you oh yeah it's been a it's been a very busy week uh, a lot of packing that we did and uh i'm finally getting a little situated now but uh actually went to costco and we all know how those costco runs go <laughs> usually you go in thinking that you're not going to spend that much but for some reason you always come out with the biggest uh, bill so luckily it's covid and this pandemic and we're all locked in otherwise you'd have been having a big party and you know you'd, you'd all be getting really merry and annoying the neighbors so i guess you've got to be good for now haven't you yeah exactly we have to um just with my roommates right now we just um we're just talking yesterday and just having some fun but we played some euchre uh but it was just all just us four so <laughs> it's good to know that you know um as a student and a business owner yourself you know you've you've left your parents and everybody behind and you, you're making it on your own so let's share that now will you do your own laundry or will mommy do it <laughs> No, I, I'll do my own laundry. We uh, we actually going to go buy some Tide Pods, so <laughs> I'm all set. I'm all set for the year. <laughs> oh, now, I will tell you, I bought those maybe before COVID, and I must have been unlucky because they all stuck together in the box. So tight, people. Um, I didn't complain. I just bought the, the liquid stuff because it got me so annoyed because if I pull them apart, they all went everywhere. And I didn't want to use two. So I don't like those, but that's just me. So we better get on and uh, we better introduce our wonderful guest because I've dragged him here now. And um, I know he's a very busy man. So um, Dennis Lewis is a wonderful guest on our show tonight. He's a freelance copywriter and he's a Brit, just like me, now living in Canada. So you've got two of us tonight, Erin. You've got two with the Brit accent. So um, welcome, welcome, Dennis. Thanks for coming along. We're really happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And how long have you lived in Canada now? Um, on and off for about uh, 22 years now. Um, there was a while when I lived outside of Canada. I was working abroad for about uh, 15 years, um, but I came back to Canada and um, I'm enjoying it so far. I should think so. We're lovely us Canadians, aren't we, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice here. So, so um, you first. Sorry, did you manage to go to any of like the ski hills around here? Um, not in, in Ontario. Um, I've been to the ski hills in, in BC. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those are very nice. <laughs> but that was a long time before COVID. <laughs> before COVID. Um, so where about in England are you from, Dennis? Just so our viewers, because we you know, might have some Brits listening to us as well. <laughs> I, I'm from London. From London. Um, from um, South London, to be specific, uh, Southwest London. Um, I grew up, um, I was born in Wandsworth, but I grew up mostly in Stockwell, um, Peckham, and um, Camberwell, uh, and uh, basically Southwest London and Southeast London. 
No, you should go where and when COVID's over. London's amazing, it really is. But then again, Birmingham, my hometown, is amazing too. So um, the reason we invited you along tonight, and I know Aaron's very interested in this as well, is because um, actually myself and you, uh, Dennis, were having a chat about diversity and inclusion. And I think, you know, Aaron, we all have a different definition about what those two things mean. So I think it's going to be a really, really good discussion. And for instance, Erin at college, university, do you think the students understand that, um, you know, these two things might be different when they do go out into the workplace? Yeah, I think for my generation, at least, we've, we, were, we, uh, we started school and from the very beginning, they would always talk to us about making sure that everyone feels included and that everyone has like the same opportunity. So just growing up, we've always been um, exposed to that that uh, like diversity type of um, talk. So it, I feel like we do have a lot of that in, in our in our generation. I, I agree with you. Whereas in my generation, you know, it wasn't so much focused on, and and basically it was a different life. I just want to. Um, I did what you did, Aaron. And, and I googled some stuff. He's always he's always amazing, and I go, oh, I didn't I didn't do that because I know everything. So um, this is what I think. This is why I chose this bit, and this is when I'm going to come to you, Dennis, and, and ask your opinion. So put simply, diversity in the workplace means that a company hires a wide range of diverse individuals, and diversity is often misconstrued as socially multicultural matters however it also applies to diversity of gender race ethnicity i can't say that age sexuality language educational background and so on so if you got that with my stuttering and not saying the words properly is this true that in the modern workplace sometimes it gets a bit misconstrued or you know people sometimes get it wrong do you think um, yes, I, I, I do think that some people um, do misconstrue it. I think it's also partly because um, you could say that it's partly um, a question of people with uh, previous generations having uh, the kind of worldview of you know, their generations, which handled these matters in a very different way from the way things are done now. It could be a function of that. But I also think a lot of it stems from the fact that the people, uh, the proponents of these new uh, diversity, equity and inclusion measures often have a very incoherent and sometimes um, Un, unsatis, unsatisfactory way of kind of explaining or kind of like explaining the rationale or kind of developing um, the foundations uh, of what these policies are based on. You know, um, the reason I say that is because um, these policies have basically um, been enacted um, in academia which I have a lot of background in, being a, a university instructor for many years. Um, and then they've gradually filtered their way into the corporate boardrooms. And I think we are so um, very, very sensitive to any issue 
um, related to race, uh, related to gender. Uh, now it's very much, um, uh, we're very much kind of sensitized to issues related to gender identity or transgenderism and stuff like that. Um, to the point where I feel that sometimes we're not as critical or as kind of uh, moderate in the way we address these issues in the workplace as we uh, could be. I say that because um, I've seen the adoption of these uh, policies, say, in, in the university. Um, I, the last job I held in the university was teaching at the University of Waterloo. And um, definitely um, the universities um, in Canada, and I think also in the UK and in the States, are at the forefront of this um, movement to, um, you know, creates a much more inclusive, a much more diverse workplace. That makes a lot of sense. But just over to Aaron a minute. Is this making, this is probably making a lot of sense to you, as you say, because at your college, you're very much in tune with this kind of thought process, Erin? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, at my college, they do a lot of this. And then as well as my friends, uh, I know he goes to the University of Toronto and uh, they actually have workshops too. So he's part of a lab and they do like a workshop making sure that everyone in the lab feels included and that they they understand that they're able to reach out if they don't feel uh, included or anything like that. And yeah, so it does make sense with what that's saying. That makes sense. And I'll just jump in quickly before you carry on, Dennis, because again, the key areas, and I think this is what you're touching on as well, of diversity and their characteristics include culture, race and ethnicity, disability, religious or spiritual beliefs, gender, including transgender, intersex, generational, sexual orientation, sexual identity, lesbian, gay, bisexual, heterosexual. I don't know if I've missed anything out. Sorry if I have. So what I'm seeing is Aaron's generation seems ready for for going into the workplace, from what you've said, Dennis, the universities here in the UK are, are, are well, no, the academia, we're already ready for it. The universities are now, you know, been working out for quite some time. So where do you see this going through the, through the generations, Dennis? Do you think, um, like, how old are you again, Erin? You're such a baby. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> so where do you think this is going, Dennis? Do you think this generation is prepared well or will they find it very different, even though they've been prepared at college, do you think? Well, I think my feeling is uh, working with um, people of Aaron's generation, um, uh, both in university as a teacher and then also um, I, I also worked for an IT company here in the Kitchener-Waterloo region and I have the opportunity to work with uh, many people of Aaron's generation. I feel that, you know, they're totally used to um, a racially... You know, diverse workforce, not just racially diverse, but also in terms of like the different generations in the workforce, different uh, gender expressions, uh, or uh, what's a better way of saying that? Different expressions of gender identity, different uh, um, different um, states of uh, uh, physical ability, etc. Um, there's no question that young people uh, of Aaron's generation are totally um, immersed in that world. 
My concern, however, as someone who's actually taken part in crafting some of the um, some of the policies uh, to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion, my concern is we are so focused on the exterior kind of manifestations of difference that we have a very superficial understanding of what diversity is. It's all about the surface, all about, oh, skin color, or what uh, gender you are, or wh whether you have an able body, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all on the surface. And there isn't this kind of understanding that diversity actually goes deeper than that. It also embraces a diversity in terms of viewpoint, a diversity in terms of experience, and also, within that diversity, an effort to achieve a kind of commonality or a universality, a sense that we are, in spite of our differences, fundamentally human, right? Um, I gave you the example of uh, my work with uh, the IT company uh, here in Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, I actually, um, as a content writer, I took part in... Um, um, a project which was designed to develop a, a, um, a learn an e-learning module on diversity, equity, inclusion, and inclusion. Right? We um, we basically brainstormed ideas. We looked at various resources, and then we together uh, we produced the content for these uh, for this e-learning module on um, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And of course. What guided us was um, the very laudable notion of achieving equality, fairness, tolerance, embracing difference and diversity. We were guided by these very laudable notions. And, of course, the IT company that we produced this e-learning module for is at the forefront of, uh, say, very being a very progressive company, a very ethically responsible company, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. However, as I participated in this project of producing uh, this e-learning uh, module and which reflected the company's policy on, the, uh, on this issue, I, I found I had a certain ambivalence about the materials uh, that were being produced. Why? Well, because I feel in mapping out um, all of these procedures or ideas about, you know, the correct uh, viewpoints on gender, on race, on physical ability, on different gender identities, etc. Um, we were less writing out rules of engagement than we were working out kind of um, almost dogmatic, fixed ideas about what these different areas of human experience and identity were. So, for example, um, when I we talk about race, I found myself, as I was looking at the materials we produ we were producing, there there was a sense in which they were talking about, say, black people, and they had a special section on black people. And they, of course, they went, they listed all the historical oppression, slavery, etc., etc. But I felt it was almost as if they were creating a, a vision of black identity, which was 
focused around oppression, right? Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was the essence of what black identity was, right? And and the same thing was uh, could be applied, say, to um, say when they were crafting the uh, material on, say, women in the workforce and gender. Um, and so my concern was, you know, you create these, indu- crafting these policies, they become less about um, equal opportunity, diversity, real diversity in terms of experience and viewpoint, than kind of fixing these very rigid understandings of what these different types of group identities are, right? Okay, I'm going to stop you there because I want Aaron to voice his thoughts now because that was just amazing. I'm just like mesmerized listening to you, Dennis. Isn't he amazing? So this may change your thought process then, Aaron, from what you've experienced at college and what you've maybe, you know, the workshops, maybe... I know at the moment you've got your own business, but I mean, say you hire lots of people in the future, will it just impact your thinking about the policies, procedures and the way you go around it, do you think? Um, Yeah, for sure. I think that um, making sure that uh, diversity is something that I include into my business and with my organizational structure is something that I'll, I'll probably still do. And I feel like it, the underlying value behind it is having respect for, for your employees, for each other. And I think that's where it stems, stems from. It's just, yes, they're, they're, people are going to be um, categorized in different groups, but it's not about putting them in that group. It's just they're, that's just what a little small part that makes up like a whole person, right? And um, being able to look at someone and being like, we're not like all different. We're not all the same. We're different in our own ways, but we all have something to bring into this, in, into the environment or to the work environment. I think that's kind of where where a lot of people don't really um, understand is they just try to be like everyone's the same and kind of thing. But <laughs> well, everybody's not the same. But I think what Dennis, I think what Dennis is putting over to me, I don't know about you, is basically this is a very important topic. This is something we should do because I know that, um, well, in my mom's day, Irish people were not accepted in the town where I lived. And there was a lot of like backlash and nasty stuff going on. And so it wasn't because they were Irish people, believe it or not. It was because you know, they were taking the jobs from, from the people who lived in Birmingham. That would not be allowed today, you know. People shouldn't say that. But from my perspective, I like what you've said, Aaron. We should respect each other. We should respect each other's cultures. But from what Dennis was saying, where the oppression, you know, comes into it, obviously it should be discussed because maybe there's bullying in the workplace, I don't know. But bullying happens to everybody, doesn't it, Dennis? Whatever race or, or colour or, or, or religion we are, bullying can happen in the workplace. So, again, you know, that has to be looked at as well, doesn't it? You know, whatever colour you are, I mean. Absolutely, yeah. And the thing is, uh, everyone can bully. Everyone is capable of uh, being a bully or being an oppressor. Um, what I find sometimes with um 
the articulation of many of these diversity, equity, and inclusion policies, there is this kind of implicit understanding that only certain groups are capable of being intolerant or being prejudiced or being bullies or oppressors. And it's almost as if they've divided um, people into, or the populations into do two different groups, right? The oppressors and the oppressed. And I, I don't think that that's often very helpful or um, very productive and constructive. And going back to Aaron's point, Aaron was saying that, you know, everyone is different, everyone has a different experience, whatever. But the thing is, that, in my day, that used to be a given. And the the kind of like, the goal of um, these kinds of policies of uh, equity, uh, equality and inclusion was to make, uh, create the create the existence of a level playing field so that everyone got a fair chance. But now I think it's almost about almost about um, kind of fossilizing these ideas of group identities to the point where um, your group identity is almost more important than your belonging to like a wider kind of sense of human belonging, right? Or wider commonality. Um, you could say universal, uh, a, a certain universal vision of humanity. Um, there are some divisive ideas in, in some of these policies, unfortunately, and we really have to try and try and be a little bit more critical and a little bit more understanding of what true diversity is instead of this very simplistic, very superficial notion of diversity being based on skin color or what your gender is or what your sexual preference is. It goes much yeah. deeper than that. It's really cool. And Aaron, I mean, your nan, I believe, lives in Spain. Is it, is it Spain? Mexico. Mexico. Sorry, my angel. So are you seen as, you know, different and have to be treated differently because of your heritage? Is that a part of what people are start, you know, doing to be careful that we don't offend anyone? Um, yeah, I think that my ethnicity is something that people kind of think about when they're trying to maybe say a joke or something. Um, they either bring it up or they don't. <laughs> uh, I know I had a bad experience in, in high school. I had a teacher um, say something that was like inappropriate at the time and then my mom i told my mom i didn't think it was a big deal i just came home i'm like hey mom everyone was laughing at me in class because my teacher said that uh made a joke and <laughs> made a joke and she got really mad so she actually wrote a letter to the principal and she got in a lot of trouble for her. i'm i'm with your mom on that yeah i'm with your mom on that one you know the thing is we can all get offended about certain things but in your case aaron you you actually did feel bad, you know. You felt like everybody in the class were laughing at you. So the teacher, the teacher was definitely, and I'd have done exactly what your mom did. But again, when you enter the workplace, or your you know your friends and brother and everybody you know from college enters the workplace, I think you are prepared in some way, and so does Dennis, for the you know the culture shock, the culture change, and this acceptance, and you know what you call people, what you don't call people, how you treat women how you treat men, you know, you, you prepare for it. But I think, Dennis, um, it will keep on changing, and I'm not sure whether it's changing the right way. I don't know whether it's going to become more of a, 
I'm quite simple, I think, in my ways. I don't ask for a lot. I'm a bit like Erin in the fact that I respect people, I, I trust people, I give what I get, you know. Um, if you treat me nicely, I'll treat you nicely. But I'm not going to, you know, be mean to you if you don't. I'll just say, you know, stay out of my way. Um, and I hope that this is a part of, you know, the culture in the future, the diversity inclusion, where we all accept each other, respect each other's identities, cultures, religions, sexual, whatever you want to call it, you know. But on, on another hand, I don't think people should be have a label. Does that sound rude? I don't think we should continue labelling people because how can we accept it and part of the group, like you said, if we're all labelled and everybody is seen as... Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I, I want to go back to my own experience um, as, the, as the son of immigrants to the UK and I was born in the UK and I was the son of Caribbean immigrants um, growing up in, growing up in the UK in the 70s and then I moved to Canada in the late 70s and so from my, uh, my own experience, the experience of my particular generation, the kind of um, barriers that we encountered, people of my generation, I would say that I would say that that was full on, what you might call full on racism or intolerance. It does seem, though, that here in Canada and also to some extent in the UK and, and in the US, we've kind of gotten to the stage where, and this is very laudable, of course, we've gotten to the stage where we've accepted this notion of that diversity and um, this idea of tolerance, but it's gotten to the stage where it's become over kind of refined almost yeah, yeah. it's almost like if we go back to um say one of the icons of say certainly my generation possibly of your generation uh, martin luther king he had this notion of people being judged by the content of their characters rather than the accident of whatever skin color they were born into or the group that they were born into, that sort of thing. But it now seems that we've advanced so far along this kind of road of being open and accepting of everything and emphasizing difference that it's almost as if we're being invited to identify primarily with group identities rather than this universal sense of belonging to all, um, to the human race, uh, belonging to... Um, uh, having a sense of commonality with people of whatever background, right? And so that, I feel, I, I feel is a little bit disturbing. I can relate to that. But I'd be interested in what Aaron thinks about that because obviously you can disagree with us. You're a different generation. You know, I wonder if you think that Martin Luther King had the right idea and we've kind of gone off base a little bit. No, I definitely think he had the right idea. Um, I think the way maybe there's a sense of over-censorship kind of um, happening right now. Um, and then growing up in that, just things that would normally be okay, we just couldn't. For example, I know um, a big thing was for females, they couldn't wear spaghetti string. Like, they always did that, right? And the teacher would call them out. And I always thought that was unfair because, like, they should be able to wear kind of what they want to wear as long as it's not anything, like, that's really bad. <laughs> right? um, but I think stuff, stuff like that, uh, I just really got frustrated because it, it kind of 
made us feel like we were every little thing that we were doing were, was being controlled. And um, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, I know going online, for example, if you go on TikTok now, they censor a lot of the things that are there, even though it's not um, that bad. Like, it's not bad. It's just yeah. different. I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. But the thing is, Aaron, they often censor for the with, uh, with the best intentions. <laughs> That's what's so disturbing. <laughs> this, this is an amazing conversation. I'm so glad we invited you, Joanne. Um, if, do you want to leave us with a little maybe bit of advice um, for the future workforce, the next generation of, of uh, millionaires? <laughs> um, Dennis, before before we leave you, because we've, we've got to end this amazing conversation. It's amazing. What advice would you give to, say, people leaving college, university and, and entering the different workplaces, how to deal with this if they're feeling a bit confused or overwhelmed? Well, I, I would su suggest that, you know, just remember that Canada is a tolerant country and it is a country built from people of diverse backgrounds. And they do have a role in shaping what Canada will become in the future. Um, and just also just like remember to be guided by basic human decency instead of like... Mm -hmm these kind of dogmatic rules and what what should be said and what what should be done you know be guided by basic human decency one of the basic most universal rules is do unto others as you uh, would have others do unto you what what better way what better way to say thank you to you, Dennis that's amazing isn't it Aaron yeah I couldn't have said any better than that <laughs> <laughs> But you, we, we were listening to you with intent. I know we were, Erin and I, were listening to you because we know you've got a lot of experience in this. And you, you, you talk so nicely. You put it over so nicely. You've been a wonderful guest. We want to thank you. And sadly, you know, we have to um, leave the conversation now. So thank you, Dennis. It's been lovely to see you. And um, I'm going to say goodbye from me. And I'm going to say goodbye from me as well. And to any of our listeners that are uh, listening or viewing us on YouTube, just make sure to subscribe um, and share share our podcast with uh, your friends that are in university, college, or just if they want to get into the workplace. We also talk about all those different topics, as well as um, check us out on Instagram at the Next Gen Business Podcast, as well as I believe we have a Apple Podcast and. Um, the YouTube channel is the same same name. So <laughs> for anyone that's viewing us or listening to us, don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Check us out at www.nextgenbusinesspodcast.com.